Come on. I've been asked by so many people over the past couple of years about how do I start a podcast that I've developed and released a course that will teach you exactly how to do that step by step from figuring out the kind of show that you want to have to understanding how all the technology works behind it and then how to get great guests and uh, keep the thing moving and how to grow it. So if you're interested in that, check it out. You can go to georgegrombacher.com forward slash podcast course and you'll find it there. You can just go to the website. I'll also list that in the notes of the show. Welcome to Money Savage, Savage Approach to Personal Finance. This is George Grombacher and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, strong and powerful Lindsay Bryan Podvin. Lindsay, are you ready to do this? I'm so ready, George. Excellent. Let's do this. Lindsay is the first financial therapist in Michigan. She's an author, a speaker, and the CEO of Mind Money Balance. I'm excited to have you on. Lindsay, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Yeah, absolutely. So I am a financial therapist, as you mentioned, and I got into this line of work because I'd come from a traditional therapy background and found that money issues continued to come up and I wanted a better way to address them than just simply giving them, you know, an online resource or a budgeting handout. I feel like money is so emotional as I've seen you kind of interview guests on your show. I know that you also believe that there's so much psychology and emotions behind the way that we interact with our money. So it was really important to me to find a way to connect with these folks in a deeper, more meaningful way. I'm a firm believer that the money, the math part of money is minimal and it's really about what you think about it, what association associations you have with it that really make a difference in making sure that you control your money and have it work for you. So I'm here in Michigan. I do the bulk of my work right now face to face, but I am fully booked up with a wait list, which is a great problem to have. Um, and I'm going to be trying out something new for 2020. I'm going to be trying more group based work because I get a lot of inquiries from out of the state of Michigan, um, since there are so few of us doing this work. So I want to be able to provide the services to other people outside of this little pocket of the states. That's awesome. Well, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm glad that, that it is it is catching on, maybe for lack of a better term. It's not a surprise to me. And it's nice to have somebody on the show who actually knows what they're talking about as opposed to me who pretends to be <laughs> an amateur psychologist. So. <laughs> I'm sure I mean, there's listening. nothing wrong with that, right? As long as you are into <laughs> personal development, I mean, you can learn so much today. That's the beautiful thing about the, the time in which we live. Yeah. Well, and that's, it's, it's, it's also the double-edged sword, right? It's like, I have totally. everything right at my fingertips. Um, and something I love to talk about or think about uh, both is that that behavior gap between what I intellectually know to be what I should be doing and then what I actually do. And it sounds like that's really one of the, the main reasons that you decided to, to change gears and then pursue this. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, everybody knows they should be spending less than they earn. Everybody knows <laughs> they should be investing in retirement Everybody knows they should be saving up for holiday spending, but the the reality is that as humans, we are just not wired to do that well 
with money. It's a really complex thing intellectually. Um, so yeah, it makes it really, really hard. That's why I'm a huge fan of automating as much as possible to take out that human impulse to try and time things or do better. You know, it's just like, we've got these amazing systems and softwares and bots and why the heck wouldn't we use them to our advantage and give our brains a little break? That That is a reality. I remember I had a conversation with somebody, and now I'm not going to remember who it was, that said our brains actually do not have the right, for lack of a better term, the right thing to be able to process personal finance information. And now, do you think that, that mo- like, I didn't realize that, so probably most people don't, and because we're bad at it and then we probably feel feel bad about that and we feel guilty about that is is that one of the reasons you think that maybe we 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 don't seek conversations i mean i think there are so many reasons why we don't have conversations about money i think a lot of us are raised to not talk about money it's rude it's uncomfortable it's private um And because of that, we all make our own assumptions about what we should or shouldn't be doing. I mean, one of the biggest questions I get in my practice is, am I doing this right? There's so much noise out there about what you're supposed to be doing with your money. And every personal finance guru more or less will have kind of a same idea of things but they're still going to have different opinions because at the end of the day, personal finance is exactly that. It's personal. So, so many people just want to be knowing that they're doing it right. And there is no one way. I mean, there are some general rules of thumb, but each person's going to have different priorities as they should. So yeah, there's a lot of reasons why it's, it's really tricky to talk about it. I mean, I think studies have shown that people would more, they're more likely to want to talk about politics religion and sex than they are to talk about money. Yeah, we're for sure more comfortable talking about those things these days. So Yeah, right. We got no problem talking politics and sex and, and everything else. So, yeah, exactly. So I, I appreciate that. And the, you know, that's I think it makes sense. That's what people ask. Like, am I doing this right? I, I don't want to screw up and, and nobody does. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately there's there's not necessarily a right answer to this. I'd love to take a step back and you are a, your, your traditional therapy background and now, um, and now being a financial therapist, how, how similar are the conversations? Is it like, like the first time you sat with somebody, is it, is it very similar to, to what you were doing before? I mean, yes and no. It depends on a person's therapeutic approach, right? So therapy can be this really nebulous, elusive thing of you can get into the room with a therapist and a lot of their training is revolved around and how does that make you feel and what do you think that means? Hmm. And there's certain value in that type of questioning, but when it comes to something more tactical like money, it's important that the therapist be able to introduce different lines of questioning and different tangible ideas that aren't just, and how do you, how does that make you feel? What do you think that represents? Right? So with money, we have to get a little bit deeper. We have to ask more clarifying questions than the types of questions that we are traditionally trained as therapists. It's important for a person who practices financial therapy 
that they're really comfortable with the basics of financial literacy, that they understand a lot of terminology that's used in the personal finance space, that they can answer basic questions. They're certainly not advising anybody on investment choices or retirement vehicles, but they should be able to explain the differences between those things because a big part of anxiety um, is is not knowing, is not understanding something. So in traditional therapy, we do something called psychoeducation, where we provide a person with education on what their diagnosis is and how it shows up and why that might be. So with financial therapy, we have to be able to do the same thing. We still have to provide a level of education to dial down some of that anxiety that comes up with not knowing. Because if I'm a person who has zero personal finance knowledge, and I decide that I'm going to learn about it. It's like drinking from a fire hose. There's just so much, and it's really hard to suss out what's what and what terms are interchangeable and what terms are certainly not interchangeable but sound alike. So it's really important that a financial therapist has more training on the finance side so that they can ask those deeper questions in a more tangible way. Yeah, I think that makes all the sense in the world. At the end of the day, you are, you're, well, I, I, I suppose your, your, your goal is to be useful to your clients. And yeah. it doesn't mean you need to be an absolute expert in everything, but it does mean you need to help them, give them the amount of information which is correct to their learning style. Some people. exactly, And that's easier said than done, but. <laughs> Yeah, but you were you were saying like, you know, some people and I totally cut you off, but I'm, I'm going to just guess that you're going to say some people learn different ways. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that's exactly it. So I also tell my clients when I first meet them, I might not be the perfect fit for you. And that's absolutely OK. Right. So my style of interacting with you in the therapeutic space, you might go, wow, that woman is like way too far out there. She's way too in my face. She's asking all these direct questions. I need someone who treads a little bit more lightly and kind of eases into things a little bit more slowly. And that's perfectly fine. Um, so it's also important that clients who are seeking out, whether it's traditional therapy, financial therapy, or financial advising, they know that one of the most important factors in order to have a successful professional relationship with that person is whether or not they click, right? So a person can be, you know, a Harvard, Yale trained psychotherapist, but if you don't get along with them, if you don't click with them, none of their information and knowledge is going to transfer onto you. 100%. 100%. That's the whole idea of I'd rather be useful than brilliant, you know, yep. be a smart yep. person Absolutely. in the world. But yeah, I went to school here, but I am unable to actually help anyone. So right, therefore, right. That's, that's, that's just kind of a bummer. Mm-hmm. So, so much of this, so much of personal finance and money stuff, while, hmm, while we can spend an entire lifetime not thinking about it and then try to swing for the fences when we are a couple of years away from retirement. And in that regard, it's not that urgent, but in reality, it is. Obviously, we know that if we get started in our 20s saving, it's way better than our 30s and 40s and 50s and 60s. So how do you or is is, is, is that something that, that you try to, to reconcile, understanding how important it is to get people to, to be moving in the right direction as soon as possible with kind of like what you're talking about without being too abrasive? Yeah, that's that's so tricky, George, because the 
you know, the math is like you said, the math is really easy, right? So compound interest is on our side when we're younger, it gets harder and harder to kind of catch up and meet those financial goals as you get older, but it's never too late, right? So if I meet right. with a couple in their fifties, I still rather them do some work and throw some money towards retirement mm -hmm. than say, mm, you know what, you missed out on a solid 20 years of compound interest, you're screwed. So I always wanna make sure that I'm encouraging my clients that you know, late is better than never. Mm -hmm. And we can't go back in time. I mean, we can't rewind back to when you were 22, 26 years old and make sure that you're putting, you know, 100, 200, 300 bucks into your IRA. But what we can do is go, okay, what changes do you have the capacity to make right now? That's another part of anxiety. Like I mentioned earlier, is just feeling out of control. So if I can help them learn different ways to cut the things that aren't serving them that they're spending money on that can feel really good to kind of lighten up what their expenses are and if we can help to channel money um, into things to help with retirement that can be hugely helpful too you know depending on their age they might be able to make additional catch-up contributions so yeah i try to encourage people just to do one thing, even if it's putting away $5 a month. And I know it sounds crazy because a lot of personal finance folks are going to go, $5 a month, it's not going to make a difference. Sure, it might not make a huge difference, but taking that first step is so important. And taking that first step and making it consistently turn into step two, three, four, and five means we have to start somewhere. And I think that's what turns off a lot of people to the, to the world of personal finance is, well, you're too late, you're screwed. If you can't do cut this and slash that, then you're never going to be able to retire or buy that house or fill in the blank on whatever financial goal it is. And we have to remember that psychologically, it's really hard to make a behavior change. And so if we can make it small and manageable and turn it into something that is a habit, that is going to be easier to stick with than these huge overarching changes that will only last a week or two. Yeah, talk about not being of help or of service. Go ahead and right. tell somebody that, that it's pointless to start saving small amounts mm -hmm. of money. So I, mm -hmm. couldn't, I couldn't agree more. I think that that's, oh. I mean, pretty irresponsibly saying stuff like that. <clears throat> um, so something that you said that really resonated with me is this, this idea of find, I guess, audit what you spend money on and find the things that, that you're spending money on that, that are really not bringing you value, but maybe you're doing it for whatever reason, yeah. and cut those out, and there's such a huge opportunity there. Yeah, yeah. That's So I have an upcoming book, The Financial Anxiety Solution, that will come out in February of 2020, and there's a whole chapter in there dedicated to making sure that your spending, saving, and investing is aligned with your values. Mm. So if you, I use this example a lot. So if you value sustainability for the planet and yet you're spending a lot of money on carry out, those values don't line up because when you're spending money on carry out, you're generally generating more waste towards the environment and those things don't line up. So it's not going to feel good. So taking a look at what am I spending money on? Is it in alignment with what I want? and what feels good for me, right? So for somebody spending a lot of money on a gym to a, a personal finance guru might be like, oh, it's stupid. Don't you know you can join Planet Fitness for 20 bucks a month? Sure, but maybe for that person, 
they have they had to have overcome a lot of body image issues and they needed to be in a more boutique setting where the classes are smaller or where they have a personal trainer. And that's more important to them because that lines up with their values of rebuilding that self-confidence and self-esteem and having a small community and support. And so, yeah, why wouldn't it make sense for that person to spend that money in that way? Yeah. And that really goes to what you were saying earlier about personal finance being so personal because mm. like what you're saying, right? 20 bucks yep. here, 20 bucks there to one person might be a colossal waste of money, but to somebody else could mean just make an enormous difference. So yeah. now I don't want to say that that's easier said than done because I think a lot of the time it is just that easy to sit down and put <laughs> pen to paper and say, here's what's important to me. And, yeah. and, 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 and here's where, I, I need to be aligning my spending and this and that. Is it easier said than done or do people just need to take a little bit of time? And if so, how much time do you think they really need to be spending on that? Oh, that's such a hard question. Um, Those are the ones I, I think, like to ask, Lindsay. I know, I know. I think it's it's the most frustrating answer to give, right? Which is, it depends. It depends on the person. It depends on how motivated they are to make a change. It depends on how much their spending and saving out of alignment with their values is impacting them, right? So there are a lot of questions you kind of have to ask to assess. I mean, how long does the exercise take to jot down your values and see you know, kind of cross-reference it with your spending, not long, you know, 15, 20 minutes, but you could also really drag it out and make it an intentional spending, saving, investing mindset day. So it just, it depends. Yeah. I like to talk about intentionality and in everything that we do. And yeah, it's one of those things that maybe it's going to take you longer. Maybe you'll have no problem with this exercise, but you need mm -hmm. to get started with it, right? Just like yeah. you're saying, five bucks a month, you know, a year from now, two years from now, you'll feel so much more confident because you've now been saving all this money. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love it. Well, Lindsay, Savage Nation is ready for your difference making tip. What do you have for them? I have don't be afraid to try again. Right. So making sure that if you've tried the envelope system or if you've tried automated budgeting or you've tried YNAB and it hasn't worked for you, don't be afraid to try again. And with a different method, there are so many different ways that you can approach personal finance. So if you've tried one or two or 10 different methods and they haven't worked for you, don't give up. There is you have the capacity to make change and to find a way to interact with your money that works for you. Well, I think that is great stuff that definitely gets come up. Come on. It's so true. I mean, just just because it didn't work out does not mean that it won't work out in the future. You yeah. uh, you, you mentioned a couple. Did you say Wine app? Wine app. W-N-A-B. Oh. The you need a budget. Got it. Like, yeah, there's yeah. an app that talks about wine. Wow. It's really <laughs> personal finance. This is something I need to look into. Yeah. It's a new one. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, Lindsay, uh, thanks so much for coming on. Where can people learn more about you? Where can they learn about um, the group-based work you're going to be? Just all, all of it. Where can people yeah. find you? Yeah, absolutely. So my Instagram handle is mindmoneybalance, M-I-N-D, and my website is also mindmoneybalance.com. Those are the two places that I'm the most active, and you can also find me on YouTube at youtube.com slash my full name, Lindsay Bryan Podvin. Love it. Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Lindsay your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Go to mindmoneybalance.com. Find her on Instagram under the Mind Money Balance and then find her on YouTube as well. I'll list all those in the notes of the show. 
Thank you again, Lindsay. Thank you so much, George. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we are all in this together.